Matthew 26, if you'll please turn there tonight. A subject you may have not heard a sermon on in your life. Maybe you have, but I don't recall too many myself. We're going to talk about watchfulness. Brian Hedges calls it the lost spiritual discipline. John Owen, the Puritan, he wrote a book called Of Temptation, and in it he writes, Watchfulness is a universal carefulness and diligence, exercising itself in and by all ways and means prescribed by God over our hearts and ways. The baits and the methods of Satan, the occasions and advantages of sin in the world that we will not be entangled. Now, Puritans are good at being verbose and dragging out words and sentences, but I think John Owen is right. If you have, and I know I say this because Jim makes fun of me about the Lord of the Rings illustrations, but if you watch the, if you watch the shows or read the books, um, one of the things that if you find parts of it to be scary, and surely there are, is a weird word, the Nazgul. They are creatures who are all in black, their horses are all in black, and they are half living and half dead, and they only have one pursuit to find the ring. That's it. And they don't rest day and night. They are constantly on the move because they only have one singular purpose and focus, and that is to get the ring of power back. Um, that is what it looks like to be watchful. For someone to have an alertness and an awareness and a focus and fighting against sin and temptation in their lives. See, in the Lord of the Rings, those black riders watch your every move. So you have to be watching them. And that's how it works for people who understand the discipline of watchfulness. It's your enemy, the devil, is always on the move. He's always focused on you. He always wants to seek seek present tense, to devour you and your faith. You better have your eyes on him and what's going on in this world and even on yourself. We're going to find out tonight if we we also want to overcome temptation. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that five different words are used to translate watchfulness. We're going to only focus on one. It's the Greek word Gregorio, and it means to be alert and to be awake. Literally, as you'll see tonight, be awake meaning not sleeping. Um, it's used by Jesus in our text, is Matthew 26, where I had you turn there. It's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm going to read it. It's a little bit extensive, but I want to read the whole thing because we want to see all the parts that go with it. So Matthew 26, beginning in 31. Then Jesus said to him, note this in your Bibles or in your mind. This is right after Jesus had the Passover communion, whatever you want to call that, meal with his disciples. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, scandalon, you will be scandalized by me because of me this night. For it is written, Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all may be scandalized because of you, I will never, double negative, I will never be scandalized by you. Never. Jesus says to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Double negative. Strongest way you could say could never possibly happen. And all the disciples, all of them, said the same thing. Then Jesus went, then, meaning after the Passover meal, after Peter swearing he would never do any of those things, the disciples would be loyal to the end, so they say. Then he went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here, underline it, and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, Abba, if it is possible, if it be possible, let this cup, the one that he referred to back at the table at the Passover, the fourth cup which they, he would drink would be the cup of God's wrath. Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them not watching. That's how I would say it. They were sleeping. They weren't alert. They weren't awake. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Second use. Third verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. Same prayer, same words. The other gospel, I believe it's Luke, makes emphasis that they were the same words. And he said to them, My father, if it cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them not watching. Sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words again. He came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of cinders. Rise, let us be going. See, behold, Judas, my betrayer, is at hand. The word that we're looking at tonight is used numerous times throughout the New Testament, not just in this passage, although this is the most prolific use in one paragraph in this, in this story of Jesus' Gethsemane of any time that it is used. It's used in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, when it says, Watch, be strong as men. Colossians 4, 2, it says that we ought to be vigilant. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. That's the word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8, it puts the word watchful in the same concept of putting on the spiritual armor of God. Revelation 3 and verse 2 says that the church there had a testimony that it was alive, but it was actually dead. And the admonition to change course, the first thing they had to do was start being watchful. Literally, you think of it in the Old Testament as the guy that was standing out as a sentinel on the wall watching in case enemies attacked. So his only job was to stand on the wall, look as far out as he could, and make sure that there weren't any enemies approaching, always looking to see where the enemy was and what they were trying to do and if they were close. That's the literal use of a watchman or a, someone watching. Spiritually is what Jesus is after. Richard Rogers, the Puritan said, a careful observing of our hearts and delight looking into our ways, a diligent looking into our ways, 
that they may be pleasing and acceptable to God. It is a looking at your own life. It is looking to make sure that the devil isn't winning victories over you and that you're living a way that honors and pleases him in everything. We might call it a little bit of self-evaluation. But here's what he says, that you always have to be watching because... There's dangers, spiritual dangers out there. I remember when I went to, in fact, David Edwards may still be there, or he could be home. I'm not sure if he's home yet. But he was a, a, a counselor at the Wilds. It's a Christian camp, I believe, in maybe North Carolina. And I used to go there every summer as I was growing up. Uh, my church went there. And we every year you got to go on this beautiful, the whole place was beautiful out in the woods. It was gorgeous. But they went out there, and if you wanted to, you could take this hike, and the leaders would take you. It was a long hike, beautiful, and you went up the side of a mountain and eventually got to a place where it opened up into this beautiful waterfall, and the waterfall, probably about as tall as this building, came down, and it is a big inside of a canyon, probably about the same size of this auditorium. And so you kind of had to jump into it from the sides. It wasn't as tall as that, but maybe, maybe you had to jump in maybe 10, 15 feet, maybe at the most. And so we're there, and they, all the way along, they're telling you, hey, when you're walking through the forest and around, the thing, you got to watch because there are poisonous snakes in North Carolina. And so we all go like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No one even paid much attention to that. So we're walking down there, and we get to the beautiful waterfall. We're looking down, and and they're just about to blow the whistle to jump in the water. And there's probably maybe 100, 150 people standing around waiting to jump in. And all of a sudden, they stop. They blew the whistle twice, and everybody knew what that meant. You don't do anything when they blow it twice. And the reason was is there was a copperhead snake going right across the water, right across there, which was incredibly poisonous. So believe it or not, one of the camp counselors, I don't know if they've done this before, jumped in the water and swam right after it. And the snake's going really fast and picking up speed. He's picking up speed. And it goes over and kind of gets in between a, a, a couple of different rocks. He goes over there. He grabs a small rock and kind of puts his hand over there to make it think it's over there. So it would go this way. And when he came this way, he went smack and crushed its head. And then he, had, he took the snake like this and he went boing. And hurled it over the side into the woods. And they blew the whistle. Everybody in. Nobody went in. (laughs) Nobody wanted to go in. You know what? We weren't watching, but they were. Right? And we avoided, which could have been something disastrous. Thankfully, at the time, somebody was watching. See, watchfulness is a needed discipline in our lives, if we're going to follow Jesus. All throughout these stories I just read to you, he's talking about over and over his disciples, his disciples, his disciples. And it's getting the most crucial, crucial time about following him and his needed hour, the most needed hour in Jesus' ministry and life. And what they needed is watchfulness, and what they didn't have was watchfulness. They didn't have it. As I said before, This is right after Passover meal. Jesus was up in the upper room. And now they come to the Garden of Gethsemane. And everything is going to move rapidly from here on out. Let me show you a little thing that's going on in this passage. In the verses I read you. And you can see how important it is. And and it's going to make watchfulness stand out for you. Because there are numerous uses of words in triplicate. 
and I want to show you them. If you look in the first one, if you're writing down, there are six of them. And the first triplet use is the word betray in verses 21, 24, and 25. In that paragraph there before ours, it talks about who's going to betray Jesus. And they all talk about it at the, at the Passover meal together. And that's the first one. The second one is three uses of the word scandalize, or in the English or ESV, fall away. Verses 31 and verses 33 twice. Three times he tells them that they will all fall away from him. And it's actually prophesied that they would. Thirdly, Jesus prophesies three denials by Peter in 26 verse 34. He's going to deny him three times, and that's exactly what Jesus tells him. Fourthly, three prayers of Jesus. In fact, they're also marked off by numerals. It says the second time he went back and prayed, and the third time he went back and prayed. And the, and, and the writer here, Matthew, wants you to get it. There's three prayers, and there's a reason for that. Three times in verses 40, 43, and 45... It notes this, that every time Jesus gets done praying, the disciples are sleeping every time, all three times. And then six, Jesus commands his disciples three times in the same text, watch, watch, verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 38, 40, and 41. Why? Because here's what I think the message is in that grammatical or literary function is all of them, except the one watchfulness, are bad things, sinful things, things that they didn't, weren't ready to handle and, and not be able to get through the temptation. And in Judas betrayed, Peter denied, the disciples were scandalized, the disciples were sleeping, and they weren't watching. But they should have been watching. And I think the message is, at least in part, is See, some of those things, if not all of those things, except for Judas, could have, been, could have been responded to differently if they would have been alert to the temptations. If they would have been able to watch and pray as Jesus commands them to, as Jesus himself was doing. If you've ever read, my favorite book is Pilgrim's Progress. And in the scene, there is a scene in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian meets up a man, and the man is locked up in an iron cage. And when Christian asks the man how he came to be in this cage, he gives this despondent reply. He says, and I quote, I left off watching and being sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lust. I sinned against the light of the word of God and the goodness of God. I tempted the devil by what I was doing, and he came to me, and it was over. I did not watch. I remember those words as I was thinking about this text, about here's a guy, and it ended up, the idea is, here's a guy who has now been enslaved to his sin. He's in an iron cage, and he can't get out. And he even says, I can't get out. And he knows the reason why, because he wasn't watching By the things he was doing, he was inviting the devil into his life. And because he wasn't watching the methodologies and the temptations and the attacks of the evil one, it ruined him. See, you might even go so far as to say in the triplicates of this passage that watchlessness, watchlessness can lead to betrayal. It can lead to denial. It can, be, it can lead to being scandalized by Jesus and what he asks us to do. It can lead to prayerlessness, spiritual sleeping when you shouldn't be, and sinning, of course, against God in most, if not all, of those things. 
So what do we do? How It's important that we watch. The disciples weren't very good at it at all, and it cost them greatly. What do we do? What do we do as Christians? What is required for us if we're going to be watchful disciples? Let me just give you three things real quick. First one is this. Watchfulness requires a sense of your own helplessness. And that's why I read the larger context of Jesus' prayers and admonitions for watchfulness in the Garden of Gethsemane because I want you to see what led up to them doing the things that they did. Peter and the disciples mark this down. They do not see themselves in need of spiritual help. They see themselves as spiritually self-sufficient. All you have to do is read verses 31 and 35. 35, which we did. All the warnings of Jesus. You're going to fall away from me. You know what? I'm going to scandalize you. When I go to the cross and I go to Pilate and I don't try to get away from him and I don't overcome him with physical military force, it's going to scandalize you because you want me to be this kind of Messiah and I'm not. And he says, so you're not ready for it. They all deny it. No, no, we'd never. In fact, Peter, most vehemently of all of them, oh, I'll never be scandalized. And he, ha- and he goes out of his way to say it as strong as you possibly could. Back in Matthew 16, this isn't nothing new for Peter. Jesus begins telling them that he's going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to beat him and spit on him and scourge him and crucify him. And literally, the Greek word is that Peter came and grabbed him and got basically in his face. And said, this will never, ume, it'll never, ever happen to you. Like, I would never let that happen to you. He can't even think about following Jesus when it includes a cross. He doesn't grasp that concept. This is not new for Peter, what he's doing in our text. Denying Jesus that he would, that would never happen. Never, ever happen. Can I tell you, watchfulness doesn't underestimate weakness and doesn't overestimate strength. It never does. David Dunning, which is a PhD, he did a study and he said these words, people overestimate themselves all the time, but more than that, they really seem to believe it. I've been trying to figure out where that certainty of belief comes from. And he uses the story about American Idol and how so many people go on that show thinking, overestimating how really good they are. And perhaps people watch that show because to most people it's humorous to think that you're good when you're really terrible. I don't know if people like to see that sort of thing. David Dunning goes on to say, the least competent performers inflate their abilities the most. A combination of ignorance, listen to this, and arrogance. They are not good or accurate when it comes to Listen, self-assessment. See, that was Peter and that was the disciples. They assessed the situation and all it might cost them and all that might be happening. And you know what their conclusion was? It was wrong. Their self-assessment was they could handle it. Oh, Jesus, no matter what. Peter even says, even if I have to die with you. They overestimated. They thought they were so strong spiritually that it didn't matter what came their way. See, they weren't really being watchful because they they underestimated their weakness. Peter uses double negatives all throughout the thing because he thought, and by the way, he didn't just think he was spiritually strong. Did you hear what he reads? He thought he was spiritually stronger than everybody else there. And by the way, he says it in front of them. 
He says, hey, though all of these may be scandalized, I won't be scandalized by you. In other words, hey, these guys, they're okay to a limit, but you know, I can understand you're worried about them. You never have to worry about me. See, I won't deny you. That was what Peter said once. Now, imagine this. Just put yourself in the shoes. You're Peter. You have made everybody else around you look horrible, and now they're wondering how they're going to beat you up afterward. No, they're, they're, they're upset, probably. You say it so strong to Jesus, I will never deny you. But he says to you, not only will you do that, but you're going to deny me three times. You, do you read between the lines? You think you're better than everybody else. You are worse than everybody else. Do you see that? That's exactly what he's saying. You see how far he overestimated his own power and strength? See, watchfulness about your own life and what your real weaknesses are and what you're really all about and where you are spiritually, see, that's what Jesus, know what you are. Watch, he says, watch. He even says in verse 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Put the two together. There are two commands in the imperative. Watch means you're not strong, so you better watch. Pray means, but God is. Do you see what the point is? We watch and we pray. Ephesians 6, put on the armor. He says, and when you're praying, watch as you're praying on both ends of the word. Because he wants you to know this. You watch because you know you're weak. You pray because you know I'm strong. That's what it looks like when you're watching spiritually. Again, John Owen reminds us with this phrase. Listen to him. Always bear in mind the great danger that is for any soul to enter into temptation. Brian Hedges in his book says this, The problem with us today and watchfulness is that most of us don't functionally believe that temptation is all that dangerous. Oh, we would say sin is, de- sin is dangerous, but somehow we don't think temptation is So we reason, you know, everyone is tempted, and even Jesus himself was tempted. So sin is bad, but temptation is what we all face. John Owen says, this is carelessness. He says, let no man pretend to fear sin that doesn't fear temptation with it. You know what he's saying? If you don't fear temptation... You think you're too strong. Samson is the perfect example, is he not? Here's a guy who knew what his weakness was and thought that there was no one ever any time that he couldn't handle. Oh, you know, I can do this, and I keep toying with it. I'll tell you this time, oh, it's a lie. It's not quite right. Oh, second time, Delilah, blah, blah, blah. You know what? And a third time, you know, and eventually, you know what? He gave in. But you know what he thought the whole time? That I can toy around with temptation. Did he sin the first time or two? No. Did he in the end? Yes. You know why? Because he thought he could handle the temptations. Samson thought he was too strong. You ever read the story of Uzziah, the king A great king did so many things in Israel's history. But here's what the Bible says about him in 2 Chronicles 26, 15 and 16. For he was marvelously helped, listen, till he was strong. What? 
Yeah, he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, see, twice, when he was strong, he grew to be proud, or his pride grew to his own destruction. You know what it was? When he let God work through him and he did all these great things and he knew it was God working, giving God the credit and God the glory, and he was asking God for help. See, when he was weak and he knew it, everything was great. But the moment he became strong and thought, yeah, no, it's not really God, I think it's pretty much me. Oh, when he got strong, see, he stopped being watchful. He stopped being prayerful. Notice in the passage, Jesus is doing the very things that he's telling his Talmudim, his disciples, to do, then they're not. Jesus is watching. Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what he's up against. And you know what he does? He fights on his knees. You don't see of the person who's the most pressured, the most, can I say, difficulty that he's facing. He's sweat drops of blood, all the pressure, not, in many ways we're going to look at in a second, and he, of all people you think might be sleeping, the disciples, they're the ones, not him. See, ask, ask yourself, are you careless and casual about temptation? I preach to my kids all the time, I still do, Proverbs 28, 26, if you trust in your own heart, you are a fool. Do you see yourself as weak or strong? Don't answer with your lips. Think in your heart. Answer with your life. Do you believe temptation is dangerous? Or do you think that you can handle it? Let me give you specifics. Do you think that you can be online for hours at a time and nothing ever bad is going to happen? Do you think that you can watch the internet and have no one else be around and you're never going to sin doing it? How about this? I can go days without prayer. I can go days without scripture reading. I can go days or times without worship services but I can handle it. Having lunch with co-workers of the opposite sex and calling it a work lunch, perhaps. How about your teenagers? Oh, you know what? I know that they're just growing up and everybody dates, so I, and it really doesn't care. As long as they're nice, they don't have to be Christians. Do you think that they can handle it? Do you think that they can handle the friendships that you allow them to have and the clothes that you sometimes allow them to wear? I oh, see... Here's what the Bible says. Watch. Watch and pray. And when you do, watch will mean this. You have a sense of helplessness. You know weakness. And therefore you watch. Peter didn't have that understanding of his weakness. And he wasn't watching. So watchfulness is not only requires a sense of helplessness. But number two, it also has a sense of this. That you are at war Watchfulness requires that you believe that. See, watchfulness is the attitude you have when you're a sentinel on the wall. You know this, that calmness may be happening now, but you are not at peace, and I'm, you're not fooled by it. Because you had a good day or a good week or a good few weeks, and things have gone well, and you haven't slipped and been defeated in your life, you don't put your guard down. You don't believe that just because it's been peaceful for a little while that the war is over, do you? Oh, see, that's what the Bible says. All of life is war, John Piper. Jesus was in a battle, and he knew it, and he fought it on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, which, by the way, the word means oil press, and he was being pressed like no other. He says two times, I'm sorrowful in our text, and I'm troubled. 
grieved, distressed. It was an emotional battle, and he fought it on his knees, watching that his emotions didn't get the best of him. It was a spiritual battle, and that's why he was praying. It was a physical battle because the sorrow and distress, he said, was so strong in his life that he thought he might die from it. It was a volitional battle. He had to pray over and over again the same thing just to get himself to move toward it in the power of the Spirit. Not my will, but yours be done. He had, to un- he had to bring himself to the place of complete willingness to drink the cup. See, I call it warfare prayer. If you hold your finger here, turn to Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 if you would. Ephesians 6, 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. See, not your power. You know how you're strong in his because you're weak. See how it works? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You're watching. You're fighting. It's schemes. Methodology. That's the word. You understand what his methods are. You know that you're weak, so you're not going to do this. You're watching. Romans 13, 14, make no provision, no opportunity for the flesh to fulfill its desires. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, so forth and so on, the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, to stand firm. He says it again, stand, stand therefore. In verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now he's gone through all the pieces of the armor, and it's followed by a participle. And if you don't understand what that means, that means this. This is how you put all the pieces on. This is how you put the breastplate on and the helmet on and the shield on and the belt on and the gospel shoes on and the sword on. You know how you put them on? The participle tells you praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's what you do. You put them all on with prayer. For what purpose? To the end that you would what? Keep alert, and that's our word, watch. Watch with perseverance. Watch, keep watching. But you don't watch without your armor on. Do you see what he's saying? You put your armor on when you're praying. Do you see what Jesus is doing in the garden? He's fighting. He's fighting spiritual battles. And he's doing it on his knees, and he's praying, and he's got his armor on, and he's watching because he knows what temptations are going to come. He's going to want to come down from that cross. He's going to want to use his power for his own advantage, and he's not going to want to do any of those things in the end, or he isn't. But it's a fight for him. First Thessalonians, if you'll real quickly turn there. Remember, watchfulness and sleepfulness don't go together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us, there it is, keep awake. Let us, see, the opposite of sleeping spiritually is awake spiritually and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But we belong to the day. Watchful people are day people, not night people. And it all is associated with armor, armor. The last one, if you'll turn back, and our time's up. Watchfulness. Here's what it means. You have a sense of your own helplessness. You have a sense of the fact that you are living in a wartime. And thirdly, 
Watchfulness requires that you have a sense of not only individual effort in watching, but it's a community effort. Underline the prepositions, verse number 38 back there, if you would. He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. He tells the disciples, remain here and watch with me. Verse 40, could you not watch, Peter, with me one hour? Verse number 41, watch and pray. The Bible goes out of its way to tell us that when Jesus went to the garden, all the disciples were there. But when he moved apart at a distance, about a throne still, it says he moved away from everybody else to pray, and he didn't go by himself. He went with Peter, James, and John. Now, I think Jesus is saying, I want to watch, and I want to pray, and I want to go through this struggle, and I want to go with it with you, you with me, and I and you. He's still a rabbi. He's still teaching. He's still working, and he still wants people to be with him. Even he doesn't want to be completely by himself in this difficult time of watching and praying. Now, the disciples were of absolutely no value because they were sleeping, and eventually Jesus gets up, and I want you to notice, and I'll close. After watching and praying, they arrest Jesus, and they grab him, And he doesn't do anything to stop them. Peter, on the other hand, grabs his sword and tries to cut off Malchus's head and only gets his ear. Jesus, in contrast to Peter's violence, reaches out and touches the man's ear and heals him. You know why? It is a completely opposite response of someone who has been watching and praying and how they handle temptations and difficult circumstances than the one who has not been. Oh, see, that could be us tonight. That could be you. See, it's good for us that we need people to pray with us and help us work through temptations and keep us accountable and work with us and teach us. We need that. Can I say that's why we have small groups? That's why we have D groups? Because, listen, watchfulness... And temptations and difficulties in life was never made for anyone to go through as a Lone Ranger. Never. It really is a community effort, and we need each other. We do. We need each other to pray through those difficulties and the things in our families and the people that we know and the difficulties that we face. Watchfulness requires that you do more than just do it by yourself, that you help others do the same and pray for them and I tell you, it'll make a completely different, a complete difference in the way that you respond to the difficulties that you face. Let's pray. Father, help.